I love to coach basketball. I don't have the height to play the game, but I love to coach basketball. We have two basketball teams here at Kirby. I was not invited to play on either team. I hate those guys. Don't love them a bit. But I love coaching basketball. Uh, several years ago, I had a brand new team over at Inner City where I coached a lot. And it was a group of seventh grade boys that I coached. It was my first year with them. Uh, and they had quite the reputation coming in to the, uh, to the seventh grade. Now, you got to understand that the way these guys had played ball before is that uh, you didn't play a full court press, you just, they got the ball in and they could bring it up on the backside of the half court and, uh, and you can only press after you got the ball to the, to the half court line. And so my kids uh, look good in practice, man. We, when, when we look good, man, layups and jump shots and, and so we look good. And the day of the game was great, man. I was all amped up. I was ready to, to coach. The kids were we're all excited and we look good in warm-ups. Nobody broke anything. That was good for our group. And it was great. I was excited and I'd heard a lot about these kids. And so I was really looking forward to the season until the game began. There are certain games in my mind that are etched as a coach that, that just forever live in your mind. This is one of them. We got the tip. Evidently, the center who was on our team, did not understand the concept of jumping for the tip ball. The other team got the ball, blew right past us. Matter of fact, we had two kids get out of his way, so he had the lane to make a layup. Now, if you don't know me very well, that does not set well when I am coaching <laughs> basketball. Well, then we had the ball underneath our own basket. You know, we got it out on the, on the end line and they do a full court press on us. And my kids, when nobody puts the pressure on in practice, man, they look good. But man, when the full court pressure was on, they panicked. You know, the guy's counting one 1,000, two 1,000. He's got five seconds to get the ball in the hand. I honestly thought my inbound passer, my inlet passer, was going to shake the hand of the referee as he was going to the one, one 1,000, one 1,000, and two. Five seconds went by. We didn't get the ball in. They got the ball under the basket. We, again, watched the guy throw the ball in. Now, my guys are commenting, ooh, that's a good pass. Step out of the way. Let the guy take a layup. The score is now four to nothing. For the next four consecutive, and I have some parents in this room that were at that game, I'm telling you, it is burned in my mind. The next four possessions, we did not get the ball in bounds. I am, I'm calling timeout, I'm dry. And, and, and the thing is, if you know anything about basketball at all, you know you beat a, a full court press by diagonal passes. It's kind of just a simple process if, you know, if they got two back, you keep three back, or if they got one back, you put two back, but it's diagonal passes that beat it, and so I got my clipboard, and I got my little dry erase marker, and I, you know, I'm, you know, being real smooth, and, and teaching, and going, okay, I'm not really kind of fussing at the kids yet, you know, and I'm not just kind of, and so I draw diagonal lines, not knowing that my seventh grade boys did not understand the geometric concept of diagonalism, so my guy is throwing in the ball. Instead of making a hard diagonal cut, 
and cutting in front of the defender between, you know, the ball and, and our guys so they can get an inbounds pass. My guys run straight down the other end of the floor, leaving my guy to throw the ball in because he knew he had to throw the ball in. Parents are screaming, throw the ball. He doesn't have anybody to throw to. So who does he throw it to? The other team. And the boy comes and makes a layup. I was so excited when my team finally got the ball in play. Now we had a new problem. We had to dribble. Dribbling is a relatively easy thing. My guys panicked. See, when you dribble, you're supposed to dribble with your head up. You know, just kind of. Walk, you know, dribble with your head up. Here's my guys. Started dribbling. Right on the ball. So I'm going, look up. Here's what they did. Okay. There are adults in this room who can tell you about that game. Once we got the dribbling thing down, we had another problem. Catching the ball. Here's what my kids did. I am not making this up. The ball would come, and we made the guy, we finally got the little diagonal cut across, and we made the pass. The guy was supposed to fill the middle, and you make another diagonal cut, and go up the middle to make a diagonal pass. And here's my wonderful guy running down the field. He is wide open. The ball is coming to him and here's what he does. He ducks out of the way of the ball. He's killing me. Guys are hitting my, the ball is hitting my guys in the hand, the chest, upside the head. It was awful. It was 39 to nothing. At the end of the first half, My guys did not get one shot off in the first half. I was excited when we got the ball over half court. The most exciting thing we did was one kid ran down, and and who knew I'd have to teach my boys how to run, but he was running down the court. and, And, you know, most guys are running like this. You know, here's my, here's my team, here's my, my runner. He's running like this. So the other guy is looking for the ball. My kids have no concept to watch for the ball because we look good in practice. We don't play well in a game. And my guy is running down like this. This other kid's looking back. My kid clotheslines this kid. It was better than anything you would see on big time wrestling, man. I mean, dude, he took him out. And you got to understand the way I'm wired. I was looking for something positive. And the only thing I could think is, and I didn't say it, but I thought it. I said, well, at least we hit something this half. It was awful. We went in at halftime. I looked at the athletic director who talked me into taking this team. I went in and gave them my best 
halftime speech. We came out of that room on fire. Man, we doubled our point total in the first half. The final score was four hundred and seventy six million three hundred and eighty two thousand seven hundred and sixteen to four. I was proud of my four points. See, my guys understood that basketball, they thought basketball was all about dribbling, passing, and shooting. But basketball is a game of motion. It's, it's a game of ebb and flow. It's a game of reading and reacting. It, it's about passing, but it's also about catching and receiving. It's about setting screens and picks and, and backdoor cuts. It's what you do without the ball that, that actually makes it more imperative than what happens to the guy and with the guy with the ball. And, and my kids, man, it just didn't understand it. And it was like the craziest game ever. My kids understood nothing (laughs) about the game. Now, see, here's a lot of you. You come to church every Sunday, and you think church is about dribbling, shaking hands with people as you come in. You think church is about passing, passing the offering plate down the pew. You think the church, uh, the church is about shooting, you know, kind of lifting up a little praise and worship chorus to God. But you don't understand how the whole thing kind of works together. And it's absolutely crazy for God to send his son to give birth to this wonderful team called the church so that you and I could be a part of it, but not understand our place in it or what the coach expects from us. We think that church is all about us. I want you to understand this church does not exist to make you happy. We want to meet needs. We want to help you grow. We want to help you connect with God. We want to do all of those things. But the bottom line here is that we exist to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, to find our place in his plan and to advance the kingdom of God so that we empty as many people out of the the spouse of hell as we can and take as many people to heaven with us as we can. That's the purpose. And some of us don't understand. It's crazy. I've been here 15 years and some of you still haven't gotten it. You're still worried about not singing your favorite song. You still don't like it that we're not all in one big giant ABF class. The whole deal about life groups, you just kind of go, I don't know. Listen, God has got his plan. And I am so thrilled, man. I am excited to be on Team Kirby. God is doing just some wonderful stuff if, you could, if we could just pour people out and just one right after the other, line them up and hear the testimony, not of what Trimble's doing here or Myers or Swindle's doing here, but about what Jesus Christ, God in heaven, through the empowering Holy Spirit is doing here. It is absolutely phenomenal, life-changing, transforming, and you ought to be proud to be a part of it. And to be a part of it and to be effective in it, you got to know your role. 
You got to know when to screen. You got to know when to down screen. You got to know when to hit the backdoor cut. You got to know how to catch the ball and, and make that diagonal cut. But a lot of us struggle. So I want to make it real simple. I got notes. I haven't looked at them yet once. I don't know where we're going, but we're going to end up okay. There's three things, man. If you could get, if you could latch on and say, all right, for this year at Kirby Church, I'm going to commit myself to these three things. For this year, I'm going to sell out to it. I'm going to own it. It's going to be me. It's going to be mine. Because God's doing great stuff. And I want to be a part of what God's doing. Because we want God's hand upon this place, don't we? We want God's blessings to reside on us, his people. And we should never take it for granted that what God is doing here, he will continue to do. Years from now, we've got to understand our part and work in conjunction with what God is doing and be a part of it. So there's three things I want you to do. I want you to write them down. They're not coming up on the screen. You're not going to see them anywhere around here. But I want you to write them down. The first thing is, man, we want you to connect with God. Man, I want you to connect with God. That's worship. Worship is not just about coming and singing a song. Worship is this divine appointment that you have where God promises that when the body of Christ, when the team meets together, when it's game time and the team is gathered together, the coach promises to show up and be with the team. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in the midst, Jesus said, I will be in the middle. There is no other promise guaranteed you in anywhere in Scripture that should be as important as that one. There's sometimes God in his word tells us stuff when we kind of wonder, is it going to happen? Is it really going to be real? Is God going to really come through? But the promise of when two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be in the midst every time. And so we know today that the presence of God is in this place. Not because we have great music, not because we got Captain Enthusiasm over here on the keyboard, not because we got a a, a super band, but because the promise of God and the word of God and the character and the integrity of God says that when God's people show up, God shows up. And there is no other promise like that. That's even in your small groups where two or three are gathered. When you gather, the promise that God says is when you gather together, I show up. And who does not want or need God to show up in their life? Man, some of you are facing problems that you don't even have have a clue what to do. And you've watched Oprah and Dr. Phil and Mari and Jerry Springer and everybody else. You've gone to the self-help books. You've gone to Borders and Barnes and Noble and Family Christian. You've gone everywhere. Listen, the biggest need of our heart, the biggest need of our life is not to hear from Oprah, but it's to hear from the coach. And we get connected to God in heaven when we gather in his name to worship. Now, worship is not a spectator sport. Worship is an active participating, participating, participatory. Anyway, it means you do it. <laughs> and I realize some of you are new and you may not know the songs, and some of you, I mean, you know, that, that, that's, that's fine. 
Some of you may like to sit down more than you stand up. May some of you like to stand up more than you sit down. Some of you might like to raise your hands. Others, others may not. Others are ameners and others are notters. The point is, is that when we connect with God, we have to be fully engaged. That means you got to deal with sin in your heart. If you watch the ACC basketball tournament, which really there is no other tournament to watch except the ACC basketball tournament. By the way, Duke plays in the championship game at 1 o'clock. Just to let you know, go blue. That's not maize and blue, that's Duke blue. Worship is not something you come and watch. I don't understand the whole dynamics of worship. I'm not, the, I'm not really touchy-feely, and I'm not proud of that. It's just part of the way I'm wired, and, and, and I really try to work on it. I, I do think I have a real nice sense of timing of God's leading and moving, but I, I'm telling you, it, all I know is that for worship to be worshipful and to worship the God in heaven, God, you must give him glory and honor from a pure heart. Ty Lawson for the uh, North Carolina Tar Heels had a, played a little bit and then had a boot on his, on his foot. He didn't play the rest of the game because he couldn't. He didn't have the proper attire. You know, the proper attire when you come to worship and connect with God in worship is purity. You cannot gossip through the week. You cannot look at porn through the week. You cannot, you cannot talk trash through the week. You cannot have a bad attitude through the week and all of a sudden come in here and raise your hand and sing kumbaya and give God glory. It doesn't work that way. You're putting on a show. Worship comes from a pure heart. Matter of fact, if you could hear God's voice as you're singing with an impure heart, God would go, time out! Altar call. Get down there. Confess the sin. Don't want to hear what you've got to sing until your heart is pure. Don't want your money in the offering plate until your heart is pure. And if you have a pure heart, then all of a sudden you have this connection with God that quiets your soul. And in this world where everything is clamoring for our attention, doesn't our soul need to be quieted before the God Almighty? And God says, man, when you worship, I'll move you deeply. Man, if you, all you got to do is turn to Acts chapter 1 and 2, and we'll kind of follow along the early church. But after Jesus ascended, they gathered together and Peter started to preach. There wasn't any praise and worship. Peter just kind of preached a little sermon and people started praying. And they were moved deeply. I, I know no other, I know of no other thing that has the ability to transform the soul, to lift the heart, to encourage the spirit like connecting with God in worship. And yet I hear some of you go home after church, sit down at dinner, 
and gripe about the service. I want to say this with all the love and compassion I have in my heart. If all you got to talk about after Sunday church is the negative of God meeting with his people, you really need to get a life. Because you're missing the life that Christ wants you to have in him. Was that pretty clear? I'm not saying I'm perfect. Please ask my wife. Ask my children. Ask the person sitting next to you. But worship isn't connecting with me. Worship is connecting with the perfect one, God in heaven. Worship is not hearing my imperfect words. It's hearing the perfect word come down from heaven through the spirit of God. So this year, man, we want you to connect. That's part of the playbook. It's part of what we want you to do. Second thing we want you to do is we want you to grow. We want you to grow. We believe that life change happens best in small group. Life group experiences. It it just does. There are testimonies all over the church of of how it does. Just, matter of fact, look at Acts chapter chapter 1. Just kind of follow along with me. Acts chapter 1. Look at verse 12. Then they, were, then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives, a seven days walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to a room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, son of Alphaeus, bless you, and Simon the Zealot. And Judas, son of James, and they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Now, if I count right, there's about 13 to 14 people there, small group. What were they doing? They were praying. You know what happened from that one prayer meeting? Go to chapter 2 and verse 1. Then the day of Pentecost came. And they were all together in one place. They and a few more of their friends. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. This is the birth of the church. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as, they were in, as the Spirit enabled them. And it goes on down to list the dialects and the tongues that, that they did. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice. Now they're causing a stir. The 13 or 14 were praying. Now it's up to 120. This 120 is just so infused. They had this divine connection with God. They they were so infused with the power of God that it radiated through their life. Others are taking notice. A crowd has gathered. Verse 14, Peter stands up and he preaches. His message is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you drop down... To verse 40 of chapter 2, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Where did it start from? A praying small group. But now look what happened. What happened to the 3,000? 
Look at verse 2042. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with all and many wonders and signs, miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods and gave to everyone that had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You see it? They were just having small groups all over the place. In the temple, on the street, in their homes. The body of Christ would gather. They would pray. They would worship. They would dissect God's word, and they would hear from heaven. Listen, life change happens best in small groups. In just a minute, I'm going to give an altar call. I'm going to give an invitation. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to the message you've heard. And you'll come up and pray, and God will speak to your heart, and, and, and you'll be moved. But then, then What? Where's that next step to help you along in your spiritual growth? Now, look around the room. Go ahead, turn your heads physically. Look around the room. Go ahead, look around the room. Look, look, turn, look. I know it ain't pretty, but go ahead anyway. Everybody you just looked at needs a next step to go to in their spiritual walk with Christ. Because nobody, including Pastor Mike, has got it all together enough that I can live life as a solo believer. We were designed to live in community. And whether your community is at ABF in the, and, and on a Sunday morning group or whether you meet Sunday nights as, as a lot of do or, or Monday nights, Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, Thursday nights, I'm telling you, life change happens best and God's plan is for you to grow. If you and I had children and our children did not grow, and I know you're looking at me and saying, well, you didn't grow very big yourself. I understand that. But if we had children that did not go, you know, we would take them to the doctor and we go, ah, something's wrong. My child's not putting on weight. My child's not getting any bigger. Is there something wrong with my child? Why is it that we get concerned about our children and their physical needs, but we do not get concerned about our spiritual growth? Life change happens best in small group. The third thing I want to call your attention to and ask you to be a part of for this year is serving. Serving. Serving's messy. Serving's dirty. Serving isn't easy. Matter of fact, look at chapter 3. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple, verse 1, at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a crippled man from birth was at the gate being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Isn't it ironic that this ugly man was by a gate called Beautiful? Ugly by disease, where he, was, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money, thinking that was his biggest need. Peter looked him straight at him and said, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. And the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from him. And boy, did he ever get something from him. He said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and walk. Now, what would have happened if Pete would have said, you know what, I'm just kind of tired today. I'm glad those people are bringing that old guy there, but I'm just kind of tired. I'm just going to... I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go sit in the temple, and I'm just. I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go sit in the temple and just let. I just need to be fed. I. I'm just gonna let somebody feed me today. Oh, you've done that. 
Matter of fact, there's not a person in this room, including Pastor Mike, who has not walked by a beggar somewhere. And I'm not talking about a physical beggar. I'm talking about somebody who is spiritually broke, spiritually needy, spiritually needing a touch from God himself. And we walked right by thinking, you know what, I'm just too tired today. Let the pastor do it. That's his job. Hey, you know, Tom R. is much better at that than I am. I just let him go. Terry Kittle, oh man, he's great at that. It's his job. Boom, knock it out. Way to go, Terry. <laughs> Woo! Way to go, buddy. Me? No. Man, he's nasty looking. He got that disease. He's just all messed up. I, I, I'm telling you, there's no such thing as serving and keeping your hands clean when the world is dirtied and marred by sin around us. If we were to take a poll right now and talk about people who have deep hurts and would just love for somebody to take them out to dinner today. Matter of fact, they're probably hurting so bad they would buy your dinner if you would just give them time to hear their story and help them just deal with the pain. I think you'd be amazed that the hands would go up but oh no, there they are by the gate called beautiful. And we have on our beautiful clothes and our beautiful tie. Our hands are clean. Man, church is over. Gotta go. Mm-mm. Wouldn't it be great? And Matt Crawford said this. This isn't my phrase and I love it. I'm gonna say it's mine after today. that we have such a serving heart as a church that we leave such a, a local footprint that has a global outreach. That we serve simply because it's the pattern of Christ. It's what he calls us to do. Every one of you has a spiritual gift, uh, an ability, a passion, your personality, temperament, experiences of life that, that God needs to use in the service of the kingdom. Serve. Catch the ball. When God passes you the ball and says, make the diagonal cut, beat the devil's press. Don't duck out of the way. Catch the ball. Serve in Jesus' name. I understand I'm talking to a room full of folks who it's been a long time since you've caught the ball or you've never caught the ball at all. And I'm saying for the kingdom of God's sake and for the people who will go to hell unless you catch the ball and run with the gospel of Jesus Christ, for their sake, catch the ball. Let us grow up. It is not about us. It's crazy. Let me see if I can wrap up. I was thinking about, and I, I heard this the other day, and I, I was thinking about, and if this is true of you, raise your hand so we just realize we're in a room full of nerdy people, okay? Remember all the things we used to do in elementary school that we thought were cool? Anybody ever have the room assignment that your job was turn the light off when you left the room? Yeah? Nerdy. Anybody, anybody in here just loved it when the teacher assigned you to wash the chalkboard? 
Back in the day when we had real chalk? Yeah. What about you geeky guys who were the old projector film feeder looper guys? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Great. My favorite thing, because you got to go outside, is you got to take the erasers. Oh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. The last thing they said, don't beat them on the building. So what did we do? We beat them on the building. We'd spell the name of the meanest kid in class on the side of the building. It was great. But you know, the best thing was when the teacher took out her pen, called you up to her desk, scribbled something. Mike Trimble, here's what I want you to do. Take this to the principal's office. I'm not going to the principal's office, people. I'm just, I'm on a mission. Signs my, signs her name, puts the time, folds it up, hall pass. Oh, amen for the hall pass. You know what that means. Some guys just strut down the hallway. Got any of those in here? Oh, yeah. Just right down there. Oh, I ain't messing with me. Hall pass. Some guys that hide it in their jacket pocket. Teacher would come up. <laughs> Teacher you didn't like, come up. Trimble, what are you doing? Okay, no problem. It's all right. You understand what a hall pass, you could go anywhere in the school. Because the teacher signed it, gave you a purpose, gave you a mission. And somebody could question it, but hall pass. Somebody could challenge it. Hall pass. And then if you were like me, you know, who... Was that, you ever have the teacher go, oh, yeah, sure, sure, let me see that hall pass. You know, the guys who have their glasses down like that, you know. Oh, yeah, let me, let me see that hall pass. Mm, mm, mm. Well, don't be too long about it. Dude, with a hall pass, you can do all things. I want you to understand that the great teacher in heaven has given us a mission. And he wrote his mission in this book. Signed it with his blood. And in essence saying to Team Kirby, I'm giving you the hall pass. So that when you're challenged by the world, you stand on the past and you stand on the book because it has the power to rebuke death, hell, and the grave. You stand on what the teacher sent you to do. And when the devil says, you can't do that, oh my goodness, you just go, hall pass. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. 
See, we are sent on a divine mission from the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he has given his word and his promise recorded to us so much so that he says the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a mission. We have a hall pass. We have the power. And God says, get in the game. Let's do what God has called us to do as a church. I want you to connect. I want you to grow. And I want you to serve. But you can't connect with God with an impure heart. And you need to confess sin. Some of you can't grow as long as you're more concerned about yourself. And instead of growing into Christ's likeness. And some of you need to catch the ball that God is tossing to you and saying, here's the ministry. Here's serving. Rise up and go in Jesus' name. You say, well, I don't have the talent. I don't have the ability. You know, you got everything that Peter and John had to say to a hurting world that needs your service in the kingdom. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I freely give to you in the name of Jesus. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? If you're here and worship is hard for you, man, right now you ought to just come. If you've you've worshiped today with an impure heart, you ought to just forget whatever else was said past this moment. And you just need to get to this altar and say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Whatever the sin is, you you just need to get on your knees before a holy God in a quiet place and let him change the direction of your heart right now. That complaining, critical, negative... The sin of pride. Just the sin of sins. And I wonder you'd be honest. You say, Pastor, you know, I sang the songs, but I'll I'll be honest, man, there's just some some things I got to deal with. And I went through the motions in worship today because Don said sing, and I stood and I sung, but it wasn't worship. And there's just some things I need to talk over to a holy God. Well, would you pray for me? Man, would you just raise your hand if that's you? If that's you, would you raise your hand? A lot of you are raising your hand. Man, we're going to stand right now. Everybody stand. Keep your heads bowed. Nobody's looking around. And if you just raise your hand, man, you don't need to hear another word. Would you just come and pray? Would you just come and have a personal conversation with a personal God and, and deal with that sin, deal with that issue, deal with that hard attitude right now? Just come on. You, you just come. There's some of you, you are no day older spiritually than the day you accepted Christ as your Savior. You haven't grown. Your spiritual growth is stunted. You are spiritually unhealthy and immature. You refuse to grow. God says, it's crazy. 
for you not to grow. That if you're here today and your growth is stagnated, I mean, you, you have just plateaued in your growth and you realize you got to go to the next level. Would you just raise your hand right where you're at? Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you just in my heart while you're all over the place. Folks are raising their hand. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come and say, God, right now, today, I commit to you to go to that next level, to get in the game, to catch the ball, to do what you call me to do. Whether that means getting involved in a life group on Sunday morning or through the week, I'm going to do it. I've got to go to the next level. I've got to grow. I've got to get healthy. I've got to do what you want me to do. I've got to get in the game. And then I wonder if there's some of you you used to serve or you've never served. That's where the fun's at. And you walk by some poor guy on a consistent basis who needs just to hear your words, silver and gold, have I none, but such as I have, I freely give in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, your life can be changed. In the name of Jesus, there's hope for the hopeless. There's help for the helpless. In the name of Jesus, there's power over sin. In the name of Jesus. And that's what he calls us to serve in. Not in your own strength, but in the name of Jesus. And I wonder if there's some of you, you would let me just pray inwardly as you raise your hand quickly and say, Pastor, I'm really not involved in anything serving in the church. And God has dealt with me about that right now. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Just raise your hand. Many of you, we're going to have a final word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, it's really simple what you want us to do. You want us to connect with you in weekend worship services. You want us to grow in life groups. And you want us to serve in the kingdom of God. And you've given us your authority, your power. You've given us the hall pass to do it. To make a difference to carry the influence of the name of Jesus to a world that's broken, lost, dying, and on their way to hell, you've given us the game plan. May this year we focus on connecting and growing and finding that place of service, stretching out of our comfort zones to follow hard after you. Father, for folks who raised their hands and are praying at their seat, for folks who came and knelt at the altar, for folks who are still wrestling with, with issues that you've put your finger on today, God, I pray, I pray, I pray. Because it's absolutely crazy for us to be on your team but not follow your plan. It's absolutely crazy for us to be on your team but not follow your plan. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, may we go this week and say to a world that's hurting, I know a man who can help you. 
Father, my prayer is that we as a church continue to grow, to reach the unchurched and the unsaved, those who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, sharing the gospel message with them, whether it's in the plant or over lunch or, or as we're jogging through the neighborhood or, or in our communities or in our, our soccer or football leagues, wherever it is, God, give us the ability to share that impact and the impacting message of Christ. For every person who said, God, forgive me of sin, may they have the freedom to worship you now. May their prayers ascend to the holy throne room of God and be returned with grace and mercy and peace. Lord, may those who stepped out and realized they gotta go to that next level of growth, may they make that commitment today, today, to go to a place where they can learn a life group, where they sit down and just go out to dinner with somebody and they talk of spiritual things. Go figure that. May we find creative ways to serve in a world that is so needy. And Lord, one of the ways we can serve is right now. Our ushers are going to come and we're just going to take an offering for our missionaries' provision closet. And you're giving, and we told you this last week, Don told you earlier, we'll help our missionaries around the world. You give whatever you can. Some folks will go and shop for you and, uh, and serve. So bless this offering. just remain standing. They're going to take the offering. I have blown this service all out of the water. We try to be done in a real timely manner. I've messed that up. You basically have about 10 minutes to get out of here. Because we got a cool second service that gets going. And we need you out of the way going to talk, talk in the parking lot, have people over your house, that kind of thing. If you want to learn and grow, let me tell you a good place to plug into. Tonight, four o'clock is a new members class. We'll tell you about the church. If you're interested in becoming a member of the church, if you just want to know more about the church and, and, and just learn some things about baptism and what we believe and why we do, come tonight, four to seven thirty. We'll feed you a little dinner. And uh, it'll be great. Meet some folks. And Don and I co-teach that. And it's going to be great. Life groups. There's life group books out in the foyer. You can see those. Serving. You're going to hear a bunch of serving opportunities. Let me tell you one coming up the first Sunday in April. It's called Total Access. Nobody knows about this but me. And I'm scaring a lot of people to death. What Total Access is, is if you will come halfway through Sunday school. Meet me in the auditorium, say like at 9.15. We will take you between halfway through Sunday school through halfway through the first service. We'll expose you to every ministry that goes on here on a Sunday. We'll introduce you to key leaders and key people. 
We'll help you find a place to plug in. That's total access. Then the deal is you go to service the second service and, you know, because we want you to worship. We want you to connect with God. All right? There are prayer cards and missionary maps down front. But get those, put them on your refrigerator. Pray with your kids and family devotions about that. Honor that. Pray for them. God bless you. Love you. I will not get to talk with you because you only have like seven minutes now to get out of here. Have a great day. God bless you.